Thank you, brother. You know, I was just thinking to myself, and, uh, you know, I was just thinking how good it was. I just loved everybody in, in the, the music group, especially with the blessing and other places where they were just letting those harmonies rip. Didn't you love those harmonies? Didn't you love it? Come on, give them a clap. <laughs> because there's something about enthusiasm for Jesus that is really important. Servant. Later on in the year, I'm going to preach on um, Ephesians 6. And it, it talks about servants obeying your masters. As though you really wanted to do it. <laughs> Because there's something in serving God that's related to enthusiasm because God is present. And we are so privileged. We are incredibly privileged people to be Christian. Fred and I were sitting in a, a, a subsidence on, on, on Leith Hill looking out, and the place was covered in snow, and it had been like fairyland tramping. This is on Monday. And I remarked to Fred, I said, Fred, aren't we just so privileged to be Christian that we don't have the mess that we see in so many people's lives around us because we just follow Jesus? What a privilege. And you know, as we talk about servanthood, we want to understand that this is a privilege to serve Jesus and not a burden. I want to take you on a journey. When I heard that I was going to preach, I thought, what am I going to preach about? And then I was reading Isaiah and suddenly it came alive with the servant songs. There are four great servant songs on Isaiah. And the first one is in... Um, Isaiah chapter 42. And uh, Isaiah the prophet is saying something about Jesus. And uh, we can do that. <clears throat> and he says, here is my servant whom I strengthen, the one I have chosen. This is, he's talking about Jesus, 800 years before it happens. With whom I'm pleased, I've filled him with my spirit. And he will bring justice to every nation. He will not shout or raise his voice like I do or make loud speeches in the streets. He will not break off a bent reed nor put out a flickering lamp. He will bring lasting justice to all. You know, you stop and think about what God's doing for you. You think about the sense of fairness and the sense of love and the sense of understanding. That's all. You've got that because of Jesus. That's come to you because you've started to believe and follow Jesus. It's not come to you because you're clever. It's come to you because he came as a servant into your life. I want to tell you, that's one of the most amazing things. God actually comes in and he changes 
the way we think. He changes our attitudes. We don't, we don't understand it, but you know, I'm 80, right? And I'm proud to be 80, right? <laughs> I want to tell you something. The stuff I know now that I didn't have a hope of knowing when I was 20. Because God has taught me. And sometimes it's taken God a long time to teach me. Right? Anybody say amen to that? <laughs> but God has taught me. He's taught me about justice. He's taught me about freedom. He's taught me about loving. He's taught me about kindness. I've learned because I've walked with the Lord. You know, there's another song, the servant would suffer for us. When I was converted, the 2nd of January, 1958, right? I remember it clearly. I remember walking forward and receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The day before, or the, the day we sang a song, Man of Sorrows, what a name. And I hated it because I couldn't get the high notes. The next morning I sang that same song and I broke down and wept. I broke down and wept because I'd met the man of sorrows. We despised him. We rejected him. He endured suffering and pain. This is what Jesus did for you and me. No one would even look at him. We ignored him as if he were nothing. But he endured suffering that should have been born, should have been ours. The pain that we should have borne. And all the while we thought that his suffering was punishment by God. Because of our sins he was wounded, beaten. Because of the evil we did, we are healed by the punishment he suffered. Made whole by the blows he received. All of us were like sheep that were lost. Each of us went his own way, but the Lord made the punishment fall on him. The punishment all of us deserved. To me, this tells me that, that Jesus was actually prepared to go through every misery that every human being has ever gone through. He did it for me. Can you say he did it for me like me? He did it for us. I still find this absolutely powerful. Do you know, I went home after I, from the Bible class camp when I was converted, and I read this passage, and so I committed it to memory. 
age 14, new Christian. Why? Because I suddenly realized what he had done for me. That's critically important. It's something that is so important that it's changed the whole way that I look at life. I don't look at life anymore really thinking so much about the things that I might get. Why? Because of what he gave gave to me. It sets me free. You know, it's one of the things in life, I guess, that I stop and I think about. Wow. There was another servant song, and this one is the one that comes in Luke's gospel. <clears throat> the Lord has filled me with his spirit. He has chosen me and sent me to bring good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to announce release to captives and freedom to those in prison. He has sent me to proclaim that the time has come when the Lord will save his people and defeat their enemies. He has sent me to comfort all who mourn. I want to tell you something that very, very powerful, that Jesus has these words of comfort still in the world. It's very good for us to have people like Sunny Tekoha come to us and tell us their story about how their life was miserable and how Jesus changed it. It's very good for people like Lyndon to talk about the fact that we need to to be honest with ourselves and and let God change us from a place of to to share stuff, to to allow God to to come and, and heal us. It's a privilege to pray for people And see them healed. It's a privilege. To serve people. And see them respond. To the good things that God calls us to do. Something God wants us to be like. Is to be Christ in the world. We mightn't be very good at it. But we are called to serve and to love just like Jesus. Jesus came to serve. Now this is where the hard word comes on. Because Jesus said these words. I'm not saying them. Jesus said them. If one of you wants to be great, if you want to be the boss, if you want to be the leader, what does it say here? You must be the servant of the rest. Let that sink in. You want to be a good Christian? Start serving. And if one of you wants to be first, you must be the slave of others. There are some wonderful people in our church. Some marvelous people in our church. Who know how to serve. 
I want all of us to learn how to be servants. We should be like the Son of Man who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life to redeem many people. One of the wonderful things about this sermon is there's nothing I have to say that the Bible hasn't said. (laughs) It's all there. It's so brilliant. Jesus came and served. Absolutely magnificent. Jesus set an example for us. You remember this in John's Gospel? After Jesus had washed his disciples' feet, that's what the picture was right at the beginning, and had put his outer garment back on, he sat down again and said, Do you understand what I have done? You call me your teacher. And Lord, and you should, because that's who I am. There's a very powerful thing here. A very powerful thing. People are who they are. And serving and being humble doesn't make them any less who they are. We are not demeaning ourselves when we serve. You call me teacher and Lord, and you should because that's who I am. And if your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you should do the same for each other. And I have set the example, and you should do for each other exactly what I have done for you. Now, I'm not suggesting that you do what we used to do in Maundy Thursday services, where as the, as the minister, I would get down on my knees and I would wash everyone's feet. No, it's more than that. It's, it's, it's not just the symbol of washing feet. It's the symbol of serving other people and doing stuff for other people. That's the example of Jesus. Now, you can say, how on earth can I be like that? And it's to do with copying Jesus. There's a great deal in that word discipleship that really means a follower of Jesus. Somebody who follows, and in that it was copying the life of Jesus. That's what they did. So Jesus said, at that time the disciples came asking, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You know, the disciples had a problem with thinking that they were good. And Jesus called a child. That word child, by the way, is toddler, right? It's not a 10-year-old. It's a two-and-a-half-year-old. To stand in front of them and said, I assure you that unless you change and become like children, toddlers, you will never enter enter the kingdom of heaven. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is like the one who humbles himself and becomes like this child. Now, I have told you the story of me playing the guitar at a Sunday school breakup, and the whole place breaking up because my two and a half year old son was doing air guitar behind me. 
and it was fun and it was wonderful. But the truth is that kids follow mum and dad. Lyndon made comment about that today, didn't you? That they copy us. And Jesus is saying, you've got to copy him. Copy Jesus. Copy Jesus. Because when we copy Jesus, we become like him. You know, one of the jokes was, what is it about when you're old enough to know that your father, right, <laughs> had a lot of sense, you've got a son who's old enough to think you haven't got any. Is that right? Pretty much. And what really happens is this, is that we copy our dad until we're so like him that we disagree with him. But when we copy Jesus, we copy Jesus and it takes a long time to really get like him. I've actually discovered that, you know, as I said, I'm not 20 anymore. And I have learned something a lot over these last 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. Actually, 64 as a Christian. I don't need my glasses. When Jesus came and taught, if you read the New Testament, he taught us how to give. He taught us how to pray. He taught us how to be honest. He taught us how not to judge one another. He taught us to be unselfish. He did so much in this way. And and. I think I'd like to have a few people share with me what happens with them. And I, the first person I want to share is Roger Roxburgh. Roger, I'd like you to come forward. And um, Roger's been a man who's served God remarkably. Who's been to um, Living Water, Living Springs? You've been there. This man here has probably done more for Living Springs than any other person alive. And he did a lot of it without a wage. That's why he's, that's why he's up here. This man here sold everything that he had, went to India and built churches, and came back and started again. And God's blessed him. This man here spent hours and hours on 999. Roger, why on earth are you so unselfish and serve God in this way? I don't feel I am, really. <laughs> Go on, say that. Yeah, but I don't really feel that I am. <laughs> Hearing that all right? Okay. I don't really feel I'm like that at all, really. Roger, you 
under Peter Morrow learned something about your gifting? Yes, de definitely. I remember hearing Peter preaching about the, uh, the body of Christ and uh, the position of, um, um, that you had in Christ and the different ministries. And I looked at some of them and thought, oh, I can't manage me being a preacher uh, or a missionary. At, at the time, many people were going, young people were going out as missionaries. And, uh, but there was other things that I read there that um, uh, fitted what I felt I'd like to do. You want me to go on? You keep going. <laughs> yes, and so... Um, Ministries of Helps is where I wanted to be. And, uh, and so I got out, I uh, had young couples going out on the mission field, wanted to get behind them and help, help them as much as we could. And so going to um, India was a big privilege. I went there as a, a builder. They, they said I was the... Um, higher than a builder but actually I'm a painter and decorator by trade but I have done quite a bit of carpentering um, as well so I spent a whole year there and built three churches in that year and the worst part about it was leaving each time when they opened the church and had a celebration and I was f finished in, in that, and then I moved on to another town and did another church. Yeah, that'll do. Roger, thank you so much. Come on, come on, come on. Roger is one of the most inspiring people I know. Stefan and Lee, come on. Yes, come on, Lee. <laughs> Stefan and Lee run Impact. When I was sort of given the job of trying to get Impact, help get Impact going, we had this group of people, and suddenly Lee and Stefan, they had the vision for it. That's why Lee's here. They make food for people. They chop wood for people. They just keep going. They do stuff. He works all the time. He is so special. He is so special as a couple. Come on. Why do you do it? Try not to cry. <laughs> Privilege to share the stage with someone like Roger Roxborough. Um, why do I do it? Um, I don't know. I've had a fair share of hardship in my life, I think, and I've, it's not nice to see people battling or suffering or, you know, sometimes I feel I want to do spiritual things in my own strength, and it's not my job. I can't do it, you know. You can simply guide someone or pray for someone or, you know, do physical stuff. And I'm, the same with me um, as Roger. I think I've, I've got the energy to do certain things and I feel that's, that's where I'm a, that's my cog in the, yeah. in the gearbox, 
you know. So that's, yeah, we've got to, and I think it, it I was inspired to, to do this um, impact thing after we had our CLDP, Cornerstone Leadership Development Program, after we've done that. I thought, well, we've gone through this whole spiritual journey and, you know, what now? You know, what are we going to do now? We've, we've equipped, we've got the equipment, you know. What, what am I going to do with my energy? And then we had a meeting with Andre and he gave us a few options and whatever. And, and we were, the seal, oh, the impact thing sort of came up. I said, well, we, we're already doing it in any case, you know. We're halfway there. So why not just put it into action? It took a while to take off. We had a, Fred was helping us quite a lot, you know. Um, he was, you know, even now he's like, when are you doing this and when are you doing that? He says, yeah, Fred, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, you know. So, it's, um, yeah, that inspired us to, to do those things. And also, I think the, there's a commandment, uh, what's it, in John 12, I think it is. God says, uh, this is your commandment, love one another as I've loved you. And that's not the reason why I'm doing it, but that's good insurance for me that, you know, I'm on the right track. So, you yeah, say This is so, such a surprise, but um, I think the main aim for us is a couple because there's so much need out there and people don't want to, you know, some of them are hardened against the goal, but if we can be the hand um, and the actions, I think, speak louder than words and then hearts will soften and I think people will come to Christ by us showing them the right way, by just doing stuff, no strings attached and, yeah. Come on, give me, give me a hand. <laughs> Thank you. When I was talking to Bevan, you know that we've got some wonderful servants in our church. We really have. Um, I was talking to Bevan, and the last name that I mentioned, he said, "Yes, yes, yes, yes." Rob MacArthur. What are the What are the things, Rob, that I have always? Now I feel nervous admired about you not just the fact that you do all the books not the fact that you do it better than good best I've ever seen in any church they're really good the, 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 the finger on the, on, on the finances brilliant, not just that but I go to something and lo and behold Rob's catering and he's cleaning up and he's doing the small, the menial jobs, and it doesn't seem to matter to him. He just gets on, he gets stuck in, and he does it. And he's embarrassed that I'm saying it. You notice that Stefan was embarrassed and Roger was embarrassed. I don't care about embarrassing you. I do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care about embarrassing you because these people are servants. Why do you do it, brother? Well, when you get to my age, you've got very little life left, okay? <laughs> you poor old man. Yeah, I'll get my walker out. You know, you've, you've got to take... I think life's about opportunity. And there's coming a day when I won't have that energy. There's coming a day when I won't be able to... And by the way... Um, I mean, Jesus left a pretty good example. He, he's, um, yeah, I, I was talking last night about uh, the man with the shriveled hand. 
That's Mark 3. You know, Jesus came and, and changed that man's life, not because the man asked for it, but because the man needed it. It was just simply, Jesus came and said, I can do something here that is going to transform you. It's going to give you a future and a, and a life that you don't have the opportunity for now. Man, he did that for me. Why shouldn't I pass that on? Why, why, shouldn't, why shouldn't I pass it on? What, what, would, you know, what else can I say? I mean, wouldn't it be selfish for me not to? You know, it, it, it's, and, and yeah. You wait till you get to my age. You know, you, you really need to get out there and try things now. <laughs> anyway, that's enough. Good man. I could have had, I counted up to 20 people in this church that I could have interviewed. They are what makes this church work. The path to greatness, be humble and consider others more important than yourselves. Care about them as much as you care about yourselves. Think the same way that Jesus thought. Christ was truly God, but he did not try to remain equal with God. Instead, he gave up everything and became a slave. When he became like one of us, he was humble. He obeyed God and even died on a cross. And God gave Christ the highest place and honored his name above all names, so that at the name of Jesus, everyone will bow down, those in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. I want you to understand something in the Christian church. God lifts us up. We don't have to. He will raise you up. I've received a lot of compliments in the last few days. I'm not worthy of them. My walk with God, God has raised me up. I am what I am because of what God has done in me. You are what you are because of what God has done in you. Mother Teresa once said, when we get to heaven... We will see what God has done in each of us. I don't want you to come rushing forward. This is not a come rushing forward sermon, is it? But I want you to go home. And in the quietness of your quiet time with Jesus, I want you to ask yourself the question, 
Am I a servant? A follower? A copier of Jesus? Or am I just a receiver of salvation? That's one of the, the things that I want us to pray and think about in the next week. While the music group comes forward, and I want them, when we sing the blessing again, I want each of us to look around and bless the people around us. I want us to do it as a prayer. It was wonderful that we knelt down and prayed. Now it is time to stand our hands out and bless the people that we know and love. To take our thoughts away from ourselves completely. To put our thoughts on Jesus and on each other. So that the love and the power of God will shine. Take it away.